Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special episode of Adeptus Podcastus. Uh, this week, unfortunately, my two co-hosts are not able to join me. Charles is uh, stuck at work and unable to get on the call. And uh, Nate's actually sleeping because it's 10 o'clock his time, and he's had a 15-hour work day. So we'll forgive him for that because that's certainly understandable. It's a long day. So joining me for, like I said, our special interview episode is none other than the famous or perhaps infamous TGO, a.k.a. Garrett. Garrett, how's it going? That's going pretty good, aside from my cold. Yeah, a little under the weather. All right, and also joining us is the one, the only, the first ever world champion for Warhammer 40,000 Conquest, Jeremy. Jeremy, Hello. welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming back again. All right, guys, so like I said before we started recording, this is basically going to be your show where we just kind of want to you know, talk about how Worlds went and you know, the first really big real tournament for conquest and stuff like that uh garrett i'm gonna let you go first because you know you're not you're feeling a bit under the weather so just in case your throat goes out and you have something um so first of all maybe just talk about you know about overall worlds and you'll know, your maybe a bit about your planning for it and and i'd like you to talk about the deck you ran too because you were playing one of the many dark elder decks that kind of surprised well i think everyone watching from home I'm a little surprised that, that people were surprised by Dark Eldar because I thought they were pretty good. But, uh, I mean, Worlds was Worlds was pretty fun. I mean, there was, there was one thing I was disappointed about, but I'm not going to get into that now. But uh, overall, the, the tournament, the Conquest tournament, uh, I, I'd say Brad and the, uh, the rest of the FFG people did a really good job of running it. Um, I didn't have any issues. I don't know if, uh, if Jeremy did, but for me it was a fairly smooth tournament. Um, and I, I guess I did pretty well, all things considered. I mean, I got eliminated in the first round of the top cut, but I mean, I was pretty happy with, with how things went. So, and where were you in the top cut? Like after everything? Well, after, after the like 15 other people dropped, well, I I guess it was more like seven or eight, whatever it was. Um, I ended up in fourth, the fourth seed. So that was pretty good. So before that, you were like 10th or 11th or something then? No, because a lot of people that dropped were above me, uh-huh. or or I don't know if I'm saying that right, but uh, there was only a couple people that dropped below me. I think I was 6th, 6th or 7th, so I, I, only gained, I only gained a few spots. Okay. Because, I mean, I was, on, uh, I was on 25 points at the end of the six rounds, and there, there was, I think... There was only a couple of undefeated people. I think Jeremy had a modified win, right. so he lost one point. But I think there was maybe one or two other undefeateds, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah I think it was Andrew Ornatov was undefeated, I think. I'm just trying to see if I can find the breakdown picture again. Yeah, um, I don't have my phone by me. Otherwise, I could look it up on Twitter because I took pictures of it and posted it on Twitter. But, uh, I mean, yeah, it was, it was pretty fun, and I, I did fairly well with the Dark Eldar deck. Yeah, and now, I, was, I, I think I was the only one splashing chaos of the Dark Eldar players. Yeah, I think most everybody was Dark Eldar Eldar. Okay. So why did you choose to go with chaos then versus the majority going with Eldar? I didn't. I didn't uh, like Dark Eldar splashing Eldar. I liked Eldar splashing Dark Eldar. 
but I loved Chaos or Dark Eldar Splashing Chaos more because um, you you got uh, I, I liked the Possessed that was like my big heavy hitter which I, I noticed not a whole lot of people were playing really big heavy hitter units which kind of shocked me I guess but me and me and my my uh, playtest partner we were kind of wondering if we were if our ideas were just like way off compared to everybody's el- everybody else's or if everybody was off compared to us and I still don't know where we fall but uh, I mean I just I, I chose chaos because they it, it seemed like they helped they helped the uh, command struggle a little bit you know I, I, Eldar did the same thing but I wanted uh, I didn't like playing uh, the void pirates or the rogue traders but I was able to play the one drop from Chaos that kind of, you know, gave me a one drop for, uh, you know, for the one drop slot. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, uh, I mean, I just, I just fell in love with the deck playing it. We started, we started really heavily testing about three weeks out and that deck just rarely lost. I think it won a good three quarters or more of its games. It was just a really, really fun deck to play. And if I, I noticed if I got Chimera Den out, I just never lost, which seems to be true for most Dark Eldar decks, I guess. This is what everybody else was saying. So it was pretty fun. Okay. Yeah, I, I pulled up the results. Um, there was one undefeated player playing Dark Eldar, and that was Andrew Ornitoff. He it was at 30 points, so he didn't lose a single match. And then uh, there was Sean right before you, Jeremy. You guys were both at 29 points with 120 uh, strength of schedule. Okay. All right. So, uh, all right. Well, thanks for going over your deck and stuff there, Garrett. So what did you face during the rounds? Like, did you, I know there was a lot of Space Marine players, so I'm assuming you faced more than a couple of Space Marine decks. I'm not, I can't quite remember what my first round opponent was. I think it was Space Marines, but I'm not certain. But my second round opponent was a Tau deck. And then I think my third round opponent was a Dark Eldar deck. And he was actually a top 16 guy as well. Um, he was the, the person ranked one one position higher than me, so I guess that would have made him the three seed maybe? That's uh, sure. Dustin Drake. He was the fourth seed. You were actually the fifth seed Okay. after all the oh. drops and stuff. Okay. Well, I played I played him in the third round, and I, I think I killed his Warlord, if I'm not mistaken. All my games, typically, except for the sixth round, all my games ended in the first four planets or ended with me killing their warlord. And it was, uh, like I said, I don't remember the first round. I think it was Space Marines. But then uh, second round was Tau. No, third round was Space Marines. I'm sorry. And fourth round was Dark Eldar. And then uh, fifth round was Chaos. And then the last round was uh, Dark Eldar. And that was actually the guy who finished as the second seed but dropped to play Netrunner. I think his name was Sean. He was the only one that uh, in Swiss that beat me. And he just out-tokened me. It was crazy. He just got, like in the last three planets, he got all of his uh, signature units. I can't remember their names. But he was just making tokens, putting tokens everywhere. And he'd already had a bunch out there. Luckily, he didn't have the Chimera's Den, but uh, it didn't matter. He just had enough enough to roll over me. Okay. Um, so what was your one loss to during Swiss rounds? 
It was to the Dark Eldar guy in the last round, Sean. Okay. So it was the but every, first round. Yeah, every other every other game I ended uh I ended the game either within the first three planets or the first four planets or or I managed to bloody the warlord or kill the warlord pretty quickly. Alright, cool. So in the top cut you played the only towel player that was in the top cut then. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Dennis Harleyan, whose name I recognize for some reason, I can't quite put my finger on it. He's he was the uh, world champion for Star Wars last year. That is who. Okay, that's, yeah. that's what I thought. But I wasn't sure it was him. Oh, cool. So he's playing this too. Yeah, I saw him the night before, and I told him, "I go, it looks like we're playing." And I told him I was playing Dark Eldar. He didn't seem too pleased. But then we 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 played our played our game, and first turn he got his communications relay out. So he turned off all my Archon's Terrors and my uh, Twisted Laboratories, but it didn't matter because I didn't see him anyway. So it was it was you know pretty pointless. But uh, the thing that the thing that got me in that game was uh, he got a uh, Crisis Battle Suit out on the second turn, and then put an Ion Rifle on it, and it was mobile, able to able to go planet to planet, and I had nothing out there to answer it. And even if I drew into the Archon's Terror. It was a dead card anyway. It was pretty disappointing because that was the that was the worst uh, blowout loss that I've ever had in this game. It was just it was terrible. I didn't see. I mean, I just I there was nothing I could do to stop him. It felt like it was bad. Okay, so it was a bit of a blowout then. Oh yeah, he he won in three planets. Oh wow, that's at, at the end of the second at the end of the battle of the second planet. I just kind of like, well, you know, you got this. He he could have killed my warlord had I left it at the planet, but I was like, well, I'm gonna make you make you win the third planet for whatever reason. You know, I should have just let him kill the warlord and finish it, but I wanted to see what I would draw, and it didn't. You know, what I drew didn't matter. It was rough. Okay. Now, as I recall from our conversation on Card Game DB too, you almost didn't even make conquest at all because you were also in the star wars finals yeah i actually got eliminated from the star wars top uh top cut five minutes before the uh before the conquest tournament had started i actually went up to to the organized play guys and explained my situation to them and they said as long as it was uh eric dahlman is the star wars guy he said as long as he was fine with me doing it which i don't know why why eric mattered it probably meant brad but uh it didn't in the end it didn't matter they, they were going to let me miss my first round if necessary but like i said i i lost uh i got eliminated five minutes before the tournament started so i guess that was good timing i don't know <laughs> yeah but overall i'd say you did pretty good for worlds i mean two top cuts well, obviously, I would have liked to have done better. I would have liked to have won a world championship like like Jeremy did, but it wasn't meant to be. Yeah. But yeah, I, I still think I had a pretty pretty good weekend. Yeah, I would say so. So, just to get a bit off of conquest, maybe did you do anything else while you were at Worlds? Like, did you try any of the other games? Or I know you're an X Wing fan too. Did you play in that at all? Well, the the schedule for for Worlds weekend wasn't really that great for me. Because Thursday and Friday was day one and day two of X-Wing. So I was able to play one round of X-Wing on Thursday before Star Wars got underway. So I played I played one round of one round of X-Wing, and then that, that was about it. I was going to play Friday if I didn't make Star Wars the top cut, but I made that, so I didn't get to play Friday. 
And then I didn't play in any side events because we didn't rent a car, so we had no way to get to the uh, the other site unless we wanted to walk. And I didn't know where it was at, so it didn't feel like walking. So I just stayed at the uh, the event center, and I played uh, Conquest Friday night and then uh, Saturday afternoon, and then uh, Saturday morning I played a, a round of Netrunner. I actually won a game of Netrunner despite only playing one game of it in my life. So that was pretty fun. And then I played Game of Thrones the rest of the day with some friends until uh, Conquest Top Cut started. Well, sounds like a busy weekend of gaming, if nothing else. It was definitely a fun weekend. Yeah, I'd like to make it down sometime. Um, so I'm going to give you a bit of a break, Garrett, just so your voice can maybe take a bit of a rest, and we'll let Jeremy kind of talk about his day and stuff like that. All right. So, Jeremy, you were running Space Marines, as pretty much all of us know now. Um, similar idea to what you ran at, at, uh, the World Year Tournament, uh, Space Rings with Tau. Yep. So how did your day go? I mean, how did, you know, things start off for you in the opening rounds and stuff like that? And how were your, your opening Swiss rounds before the top cut? Uh, things went very well overall. I was fortunate to go undefeated all day. I faced Astro Militarium, Dark Elder, Len Chaos, the Mirror Match, the fourth round. Astro Militarium, the fifth round, another mirror match, sixth round. And the next day, in the top 16, I face off against Elder right away. It's typically my worst matchup, I feel. Luckily, I was able to win that game. I faced two Dark Elders, top eight, top four. And the final is the mirror match. Very, very epic, drawn-out game. <laughs> so overall, very, very good. Yeah, definitely very good. This is now your fifth world championship out of four different games, I believe. Yep. Okay. So, um, with your deck, like we've already said, it was Space Marines with Tau. What in particular drew you towards that combination again? And maybe tell us a bit about your deck and some of the, the strategy and thought behind it. Uh, main thing is just consistency. To win a big, long, major tournament, you, just, you have to have consistency. If you get one bad draw, that might knock you out of the tournament, just like that. I feel Space Marines are probably the most consistent deck out there, just very solid. They also have lots of tricks. I love having tricks. I mean, it makes it hard to play against. Gives you that versatility. If you really need a guy, you can have that eager recruit or a drop pod to save you to turn a battle around over nowhere. Indomino is a great card that can save you so many times. So it's all in all, it's a very solid, consistent deck that's not easy to play against. They have lots of answers and surprises to fool your opponent when, if you need them. And Tau, just, it's a very solid splash. You know, you got the Trailblazer for command and Technician to dig for attachments. Astro Militarium splash is all right too, but Tau just gives you a little bit extra, I feel, just compared to Astro Militarium, so... It's a very, very solid deck overall to help win those long tournaments. It was, I believe, 10 games overall to win the whole thing. So I just value consistency very highly. So that's where I went with I came very close to playing Dark Elder. That was my second choice. Very, very close. But at the very end, I decided to just stick with the Space Marines. And I guess I'm glad I did. Yeah, for sure. Um now, in regards to uh, your your final two games, like they were both 
broadcast live. So, you know, some of us have a chance to watch them and others, you know, you can, we can go back and watch them on FFG's Twitch page on their past broadcasts. The, the final game against, um, oh no, I'm drawing a blank, D- Davis. Davis, yeah. Um, it was a, a long game, I know for sure. Um, <laughs> Very long. Some have, uh, made comments in regards to how much thinking you did. Did you find that you were maybe overthinking sometimes? Like, did you kind of fall into the whole overanalyzing a situation trap that sometimes happens? Oh, that's definitely me. The analysis paralysis. You know, I just, I'm very methodical. I like to think things through and make sure I don't mess up or miss something. So being untimed finals, I figure let's just take it easy and make sure I don't miss anything, think everything through. Especially in a mirror match, it's really difficult to try to figure out what he might have and all his surprises and tricks. I mean, we know each other's deck very well, so just trying to play around everything can be... It's not easy, so I'm sorry to everybody that was watching. and I was playing very slowly, but you know, it's for all the marbles, you make one mistake, that might be it. So I just wanted to make sure I thought everything through and played well and didn't mess up too severely there, so... Yeah, that's me. I'm quite the slow player, but so again, apologize everybody out there. Well, I don't think He's you up. need to apologize. I, <laughs> I mean, it was honestly, I thought it was a great game. Like I stayed up. It was like I did too. Twelve thirty a.m. my time before ended up wrapping up, and I stayed up long enough to watch uh, the interview with uh, you and Brad and Eric and stuff. I, I thought it was a really good game. Like I thought your guys' game kind of highlighted the sheer depth that this game provides that maybe is not as apparent in the beginning like i know i know myself when i started playing i mean this is last year now um at first i was like this seems too simple it's like i beat up your stuff you beat up my stuff i kill your stuff you kill my stuff a few games later you're like ah you you have that light ball moment and i think yorgas's game really highlighted the sheer depth that exists within this game so i i thought it was a great final match like it was Definitely a world-class finish, for sure. And, you know, I mean, you're not there to provide good television for those of us watching from away. You know, you're there to, like you said, win all the marbles. So I think, you know, I'd probably crack under the pressure myself. But, you know, definitely taking your time, I thought was probably the right call on your part. Because even if you end up overthinking it, like you said, it's not time. So, um, yeah. so and I mean, I've also seen... Uh, Davis come on and say, you know, he wasn't stalling, he wasn't playing slow, he was thinking everything through. So, you know, even your opponent, you know, says you were, you did everything fine. So I don't think anyone good. has any reason to criticize you whatsoever. And plus, you're five-time world champion for a reason. <laughs> um, so, I had a question that completely left my mind. All right. So this is kind of for both of you guys. Um, in regards to... Oh, Garrett, you have a question about Jeremy's deck? Yeah. Okay, you go ahead. I noticed, I I was looking at the deck list today, you and uh, the the second place gentleman's name was Davis? Davis, yeah. You guys were were very identical on your your deck list. Um, Me and and my uh, playtest partner, you know, we always had uh, like Fire Warrior Elites in our in our Space Marine decks, was there any particular reason why you, you cut Fire Warrior Elites? Yeah, I used to run one of them for a while there, but I just, it's a great card, I love it. 
But the deck I play there has so many three drops already. I just added another three drop. Especially it's not a Space Marine card. I mean, Space Marines are very insular. They like having more Space Marines, so work with all their synergy. And drop pods and Indomitables and Cable Stronghold, Furious Securities. I mean, just on and on. They, they want more Space Marine units. So I figured in the end, just I need that extra slot for something else. It doesn't have a command either, so that's like... I love having command, so... It's a great card. I definitely can see why you, you play it, but... In the end, I just, I just had a card for something else. Yeah, we, we just felt like it swayed a bat. It could sway a battle like into your favor one way or the definitely. other. You know, it's it's a great card, definitely. I love it. So yeah, keep playing it. It's, it's a great card. All right, that was. <laughs> All right, thank you. So, what I want to talk about was maybe kind of talk about like the overall tournament meta and stuff. Like we know there was thirty five space rings. Three of you, if I'm not mistaken, ended up in the top. Uh, yourself, Jeremy, Davis, and one other. And then there was 15 Dark Elders, and of those, seven ultimately made the cut after drops and stuff. But I believe, Garrett, you said there was like nine before that. So Dark Elder overall did very well for the small amount of players they had making the top cut and stuff like that. I wonder if yep. maybe you guys want to comment on that. and you know, Because I, I know it raised quite a bit of a a ruckus and on the forums during the day it was like what's going on like how are dark elder doing so well what am i missing like people were like freaking out on like various facebook groups and stuff they're like i don't get it dark elder doing so good what am i not getting what do you guys have to say maybe to that like were people maybe missing things that and you know we all kind of got our well i mean i was aware of how good dark elder could be but that's from playtesting the game but i know many others weren't so what do you guys feel that kind of made that stand out so much in their performance and stuff and then you know how they kind of got eliminated in the top um well, like Garrett said I, I always thought Dark Elder were great so I was surprised that many other people didn't feel that way when the game first came out they were kind of trashing Dark Elder and saying they're not very good they're the worst and I was very surprised so like just initial impressions can really sway people and maybe get that hive mind thing going where people read about this and oh yeah they agree right away but when you actually sit down and start playing with them or against them and start to realize yeah there's definitely more to more to it here than what the people initially thought so they just have they have be very aggressive or controlish they have that choke element to them too so there's a lot of ways to play them they're not one dimensional and just depending on the planet layouts and the draws and your opponent you can go for a three-planet win right away or play the long game and try to choke them out. So they're quite versatile overall. They're, I don't know. I think a lot of people definitely underestimate them at first. So I was not surprised to see so many Dark Elder do very well. They're, they're very strong. They don't look like it, but they really are. So that Warlord, I love that Warlord. I think it's definitely one of the best. She's she's tough to beat, getting those Chimera right away. Make it really aggressive and tough to deal with so of course the den you get the den to go with it is just ridiculous so that definitely has factored into their wins so i don't know if garrett wants to chime in where else he thinks i just <clears throat> excuse me i just think they had a a different learning curve than some other some other decks like people to me seem to be drawn to the space marines 
And like like Jeremy said, they're just consistent, you know, and they're they feel safe. Whereas Dark Eldar, they're they're very fragile because a lot of their a lot of their guys are ones and twos, you know, and some of their some of their best guys are are are, are weak, and they don't have they they don't have heavy hitters, you know, like Chaos has possessed. Space Marines have a dreadnought or a or a land raider, you know. What does uh, what exactly does Dark Eldar have that really has that wow factor? I mean, they've got the Tormentor, but I didn't see too many people. I don't think too many people were playing him in their Dark Eldar. I mean, I haven't seen all the Dark Eldar lists, but the ones I have seen, I, I don't think Ornitov was playing it, if I remember correctly. And he might have been. I don't know, but uh, like they just they just have a different uh, a different play style, and and people just have to you know learn learn that style and I don't know if Jeremy remembers this but he made a comment to to my buddy at Gen Con and he had mentioned that if this was a constructed tournament he would have played Dark Eldar yeah. and my buddy you know had uh had let that you know you know stored that comment away when world started you know when we started to prepare for world he's like we got to look at Dark Eldar because Jeremy said that's what he would play and we were kind of wondering if he was blowing smoke or if he was serious, but <laughs> we come to find out that you know he was serious. Oh yeah, we we love the Dark Eldar. I I, I almost came with uh, you know the Dark Eldar or Eldar Dark Eldar deck, but my last day of testing with with my buddy, I couldn't win a game with it. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going with going with my gut, and I'm 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 playing Dark Eldar, and I didn't regret it. Right, and I mean they were, you know, very successful because you know fifty percent of them basically made it through to the top cut. Now, I've seen some arguments made that since they got eliminated throughout the top cut, that maybe they weren't as good as you know people kind of were like, oh my god, they're so good, they're so good. What am I missing? And everybody's like, oh, they all got eliminated by Space Marines. Clearly, Space Marines is the best. And I just, I feel like a lot of weights being put on. These results, especially when you know the game is so new and this is the first really big constructed tournament, you know everybody can use three core sets and stuff like that, unlike a Gen Con. But I I agree with what you said there, Garrett, in that it's a different learning curve. Like, like it's like you said, Space Marines are a bit easier to learn, and it's like you know, sometimes they're safe, but you know they are more consistent and they're they're easier to learn. It's it's the same thing kind of like with orcs. You know, orcs can be fairly. I think that's why they're the two that recommended by the the starter decks is just that they're both a little bit easier. You know, it's space marines have a few tricks and stuff, but you know they want to fight and win, and orcs want to beat stuff up because they're orcs. Dark Eldar tend to be a bit more tricksy in their ways they want to play and stuff like that. So, would you say part of their success might have been surprise factor, or would you say it's strictly that? people underestimated them and the decks really are good and they played very well or a little both maybe it's probably a little of both but i mean dark eldar has some really good cards and to underestimate that seems seems a bit silly but i mean it's i guess that's what happened like i really liked twisted lab and archon's terror and you know i thought those were fantastic cards and thought they would be you know do do well for me and in a way i was correct but when I needed them the most, they they just kind of weren't there. They would have been dead either way. But I don't know. I just 
like Dark Eldar just has like every negative play experience like in their you know in their faction. You know, you've got the the murder of Razor Wings to discard cards, so you've got you've got some hand denial going on. They've got their command icons are so so, but the the people they can splash with kind of kind of makes up for that. At least that's what I felt. Um, and then you know, Twisted Lab turning off like their best units was pretty good, and we felt Archon's Terror was probably one of the better cards in the game. So why not play with one of the best cards? So I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. I think they're both underestimated and. And people just realize maybe how strong they could be. It is, it is a different play style, so it's not easy to learn right off the bat. So just having that combination can really surprise people. Okay. So, yeah, that's pretty much what I figured we would all kind of say. So it's kind of an experience and comfort level thing, I guess you could say. All right. So that being said... Um, where do you two feel like things are, like, I'm trying to think how to word this, sorry. With this game, we've got seven factions right out of the box, like, starting out. Now, do you guys feel like that's a good thing, and that it's going to make a better balance? Like, how balanced do you guys feel the game is, and do you think that, you know, faction A is good against factions B and C, but then faction D defeats faction A and stuff like that? Like, do you guys see that? you think right now out of the core set that made any sense what I was trying to say yeah I guess there's to a degree there's some of that I mean some factions are maybe slightly weaker than others but nothing severely you know worried to worry about there's you know orcs and astronaut terror aren't maybe quite as good as other ones there are some you know kind of bad matchups you know I guess Elder versus Dark Elder. Dark Elder is definitely favored, but I don't think it's anything too severe. Kind of like Space Marines against Dark Elder. Some people think Space Marines just automatically beat Dark Elder, but I completely disagree there. It's a lot, a lot comes out just the draws and what cards you have. and There's like Archon's Hair and Twisted Lab can easily shut down AoE effects, so I don't think there's anything too severe out there, but you know, there are slight imbalances, but overall, I think it's you know pretty damn good balance for a core set. I think it's probably the best balanced core set for any LCG yet. So, pretty good overall. I uh, I agree with with Jeremy. I mean, it feels pretty pretty balanced. Um, I think some are you know some factions are slightly better than others, um, and and I agree with Jeremy that orcs and I call them Imperial Guard because mm-hmm. I've been playing since uh, I was playing 40k in third edition and they were Imperial Guard, so they will they, it will always be Imperial Guard to me. But anyway, um, I agree with him in his statement that he felt that maybe Orcs and, and Guard were, were a little bit weaker than the others. Um, leading up to Worlds, me and my me and my buddy, we thought that it was Dark Eldar, Eldar, Chaos, and Tau were our four. What we felt were the four strongest. We liked we liked Space Marines, but we felt that they were just a little slower sometimes, you know. Because as as Jeremy mentioned earlier, they have a lot of three drops, and if you don't see your drop pods, your drop pod assaults, or if you have to use them as a shield, you know, you, you kind of get slow. You know, you you're slowed down a little bit, and 
you know, in your in your game. So, but yeah, overall, I feel like the game is, you know, it's it's a really fun game. I don't I don't dislike playing against any warlord. I mean, playing against Eldrath isn't the funnest, but I, I don't dislike it. But overall, I I, I love uh, I feel the game is pretty balanced, and I like, and I like it a lot. All right, yeah, I well, I agree with both of what you guys said, and it's, I mean, this was a very short-lived meta, really, because you know the game came out start of October for most was when people were able to get copies, and you know now we're beginning of November, we've already got the next pack on the way, which is very quick for a an LCG in my experience from collecting any of the previous ones. You know, we've never seen things turn around quite that quick. You know, we've got Black Mean. I mean, some of you guys already have it. I don't know if either you do from worlds it was it was sold out when i went to buy it yeah i heard it sold out in like record time yeah yeah they put it out they put it out in the more first thing in the morning and i went to go get it you know around lunchtime noonish you know and it was already gone but i was kind of only i only half wanted it i i knew what was in it and i i, I knew i want i knew i wanted it eventually but i didn't have to have it for that weekend since i you know it wasn't useful for me I couldn't play it. Right. Okay. And I mean, Jeremy, you live next door to FFG, so you'll just get it as soon as it comes <laughs> off the truck. Yeah. No, not too big of a deal. So. You know, here you go, champ. Catch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good. All right. So, Garrett, I was a bit remiss at the beginning of this because I've known you now for several years from Star Wars and stuff like that, but. Maybe you should introduce yourself to those of you who don't know the TGO. Oh yeah, because the the conquest people don't know me yet. Uh, I, I've, I'm a Star Wars player. Uh, I guess I've been playing since the beginning. Of, you know, I, I played Star Wars when it came out. Uh, top four at Gen Con last year. Epic collapse at Gen Con this year. <laughs> and now uh, I'm coming over to Conquest because it's a pretty fun game so i've just been gaming you know uh, ffg games for the last couple of years yeah you've been into star wars since the beginning in 2012 i mean same time i got into it and stuff um on the boards up now you used to be with top tier gaming but i've heard those guys are retiring from star wars so you're now with flip the floors so if anyone's looking for you probably find you over there yeah yeah i'm with I'm officially part of Team Flip the Force, and uh, we do the Living Living Force cast. So, shameless plug. No, nope, that's fine. I fully expected you to plug your own show. That's perfectly understandable. And uh, all that good stuff. So, uh, my last question for you two is, I've seen some comments and stuff made about the one-of support cards in each of the signature squads, in particular Chimera Den. <laughs> now, my take on it is every single faction has the exact same, more or less, signature squad in this corset. You know, everyone's got four army units, the one support card, two event cards, and then an attachment with three shields. So I don't see it as being overpowered or OP or you know anything else that's kind of being thrown around right now. Now, I know that they definitely help the deck. Like, like if you see your support, obviously you're 
better off than the player who doesn't. But that just makes sense when it's a one-of card. Like, in my mind, yes, it's a one-of card. Yes, it's very powerful. But the fact that you only got one, you're not going to see it a lot of the time. So when you do see it, it, it should almost be powerful. Not so much game swinging, but, you know, maybe it can help change or turn the game around for you. Do you guys see these powerful one-off support cards as an issue from your own experience playing in this tournament, you know, playing 10 rounds for you, Jeremy? Or do you guys don't really think this is an issue and that it might be, you know, people are maybe getting carried away and it's not really as big an issue as some think? Well, I I agree to your point. I mean, cards like Den are can be very game-swinging. If they get enough tokens going, that can just just completely take control of a game. So I can see to a point that yeah, they have. We should probably. I don't know what to do. It's too late now, but it'd be nice if they could maybe have toned those down slightly. If you draw it compared to when you don't draw, that can be a completely different game. There's that swinginess there, so I see their point, but it's kind of late to do anything now. I mean, I guess maybe get more support destruction out there, or not really sure what else, but. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. I mean, it is only one card, but if it comes up, it can really swing certain games. So I don't know. It's not an easy call there what to do with it. So how about you, Garrett? I mean, at the same time, though, they have to make they need to make good cards, right? I mean, they can't just not everything can be. Uh, a cost reducer or whatever some of these other supports do they need they need some game defining effects and i and i think these these supports a lot of them do that uh, and i but i think some of the problem might be that maybe not all the supports are created equally like chimera's den is really good uh the space marine one is really good it's a little expensive but it's still really good um but i think i think some of them aren't as good which might be part of the problem maybe yeah like the Tau, or not the Tau one. Uh, well, yeah, the Tau one might arguably be the weakest one, just because it's. I mean, it it doesn't. It it, it does a good effect for what it does, but it, it's not like so game changing. Yeah, stopping an Archon's Terror or stopping a Twisted Laboratory or um, some of the other like a that uh, Cinch, that Cinch's, uh Bolt or whatever it's called. I don't remember the Chaos one that does X damage. I mean, being able to stop some stuff like that is pretty good, but is that game-changing like the Chimera Den or Kato Stronghold? I don't think so. I could be wrong, but um, the Eldar one seems really good, but it's just it, it, it's basically just giving you a an extra unit to attack that turn since they don't... I believe that's the one I'm thinking of. They, they get to move to that planet and you ready them or something like that. Am I correct in that? Yep. Yeah. I mean, that seems... That was pretty good, but again, is it... Is it as strong as, as some of the others? I don't know. It, it is one of the stronger ones, I guess. But I, I agree Chimera's Den is really strong. I've I've seen that firsthand in my games. I got it out three times in the Swiss. And, you know, I was able to win three planets or bloody a Warlord. I, I believe I killed a Warlord because of Chimera's Den. I don't know why my opponent didn't run away, but... You know, I, I jumped uh, jumped some tokens over. I think I only had two or three, but you know, it was enough to uh, to swing the game. But I mean, I, I agree that they're they're really strong. But I mean, they're one ofs, so you got one in fifty. You know, one card in fifty. I don't know. I mean, 
it just seems it seems like you need powerful cards in in games and yeah it swings it but i don't know it they seem fine to me all right well in all my rambling i just did there <laughs> all, all good I how about you matt what do you think i don't i think they are very powerful and i think they are very good and they they can swing the game in your favor if you see it or don't see it but i almost think they should be really good because they're one of because they're a support card that could be destroyed and that you're not going to see again so I don't know. I, d- I don't want to say that they are overpowered because I don't think that they are. I just, it's like Gary said, there, there needs to be some strong cards. Like, I just feel like these one of signature cards should be really strong. I mean, maybe some of them are stronger than the others, but like even, even the chaos one, trying to warp plane. I mean, <laughs> it's a little bit less flashy, maybe let's say, than, you know, taking my 10 Chimera tokens and sending them at your warlord and, you know, eating you and dragging you back to the warp, but being able to constantly recycle of it, the Zenith events is really good because there are some pretty wicked powerful Zenith events. And, you know, like Garrett said there with the, the Zenith Firestorm, yeah, Firestorm, yep. and or even you know, other ones. And we're only going to see more, so that one could go up depending on you know the next time we see a round of Zenith stuff. You know, I'm sure we'll see a bit of a a spread for the the Chaos stuff. I actually think that Chaos one is is pretty good because I've been on the receiving end of uh, some flamers constantly coming back because of that silly thing. It's it's never fun when you're on the receiving end of flamers hitting you for three because of their warlord and your unit dies and then it gets to come back. Yep. <laughs> it's just yeah, that's it, true. It gets a little it gets a little ridiculous. But again, it's one of those things like you need you need strong cards. So yeah. And I mean, I feel like that's part of the the charm of this game, too, in a way. Some stuff is a little crazy powerful, but it's 40k. Like, to me, it feels like that's how 40k should be sometimes. Like, look, I've got this orc, and, you know, he punches you in the face for, I don't know, nine. What? That's crazy. I'm like, yeah, it is, but it's 40k. Like, things should just seem, I don't know, to I'm me... Waiting. I'm, I'm waiting for the uh, Devastator squad for the for the Space Marines with a last cannon. Oh my that gives God. you like that gives you like plus five power and armor bane. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I want something. I want a last cannon to be something ridiculous. And the Tau, uh, what's the name of that big gun that they've got? The the rail gun. Oh, the I believe is what broad, it's called. Is it broadside? Well, it goes on it goes on the broadsides, but it's like a it's it was strength ten in the in the 40k tabletop game. It basically just cracked open a land raider yeah. is what it did at least that that was what i experienced whenever i would put my land raider out in the open <laughs> my my towel buddy would just blow it up but i'm waiting i'm waiting for some of the like iconic weapons of 40k like a plasma cannon a las gun a rail a rail gun you know some really powerful things or someone like Morgan Ra for the eldar with his i don't know screaming death or whatever his missile launchers call and stuff like that yeah like to me, a lot of that stuff is 40k. Yeah, it seems cheesy sometimes. Yeah, it seems totally crazy. Oh my god, I can't believe you guy just did that. But for me, growing up, that was part of the thing with 40k. There was some crazy, cheesy stuff in it. And sometimes it did need to be reined in. You know, we've had seven versions of 40k now. So obviously changes were made and need to be made. But 
to me, a lot of that is 40K and kind of the appeal of 40K sometimes. I, I think they nailed the orcs. Like they feel like 40K orcs to me, at least. In their in their design approach to them, they just uh, I don't think the orcs are very good, but like they they just feel fun. You know, they're a very fun affiliation to play. So I'm happy about that. Some random thought that just popped into my head. No, uh, it's a <laughs> random thought. I definitely agree with. Like I feel overall, they did a very good job of capturing the flavor of the various 40k factions in the 40k universe. Like if they hadn't, I'd probably be less inclined to be playing this because. For me, flavor in in any game is really important. It's just you know part of what appeals games to me. You know that's why I like Star Wars so much because it's Star Wars and I love Star Wars. Alrighty, gentlemen. Well, I don't really have any questions left for you guys. If you guys have anything else you want to talk about, any other subject you would like to discuss on the episode, you know, feel free. This is your soapbox. Um, I guess I don't have much. You know me, I'm a man of few words, so. <laughs> so. I'm telling you, sometimes we just can't get you to stop talking. <laughs> right? Yeah, Jeremy's a very humble, humble person, too, because I spoke to him after he won, and he's like, I got lucky. I'm like, really? You've won five world championships. At some point, luck is no longer a factor. It's just you're just that good. But Jeremy probably won't ever admit to that. Because nope. it just seems like that's that's his character. He's a very humble, down to earth person. Yeah, which is what makes you a great five time world champion. You know, I was watching him. I'm like, dude, he's not even like. He's just like, yeah, I won. Cool. <laughs> I'm just like, how are you this relaxed? I'd be like jumping up and down, screaming like a small kid. I, kids <laughs> well, I wanted to, but kids would be watching yeah, just... me and they'd be like, Dad, stop it, stop it. You're embarrassing us. Yeah, just me. Just I don't know. I felt it on the inside, that's for sure. I may, I may never show it on the outside, but that's how I was feeling on the inside. I just, oh, I just wanted to scream, but just keep it in, you know. That's no gloating or anything, no breaking, just. Oh no, yeah. That, I want to, I want to see you go for the store, the uh, Star Wars World Championship next year. <laughs> and have you, have you won World Championships in every game? Uh, not Star Wars or Game of Thrones. Okay, I want to see you go for, I want to see you go for Star Wars next year. In Game of Thrones Second Edition, if it yeah. gets World's Theater, I don't, don't know if it's Second Edition or First Edition next year. I think it's, both. I heard both. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there's they're supposed to, according to the State of the Union, they're going to support First Edition at Gen Con and Worlds next year, I believe. I'm pretty yeah. sure about the Gen Con. I think they said Worlds too. Yep. But then Second Edition is coming out at Gen Con, so they'll more than likely have second edition world championships in November, I would assume. Makes sense. I'm I'm looking forward to second edition. Because I wanted to play I wanted to play first edition, but it's just there's too much uh to catch up on. You know, I think they said twelve cycles and six box sets or something like that. Yeah. Plus the core. Um it's just too much money to throw down on a game. Yeah, I agree. Like I actually this summer traded away my Game of Thrones collection for a Netrunner collection, which I then sold and turned to my Conquest collection, but I'm glad and I also feel a little sorry for the person I traded it to, but none of us knew what was going to happen. Now, that actually brings me to a question that you know we could talk about real quickly. Rotation was also announced as part of the State of the Union. 
what do you guys think about rotation? Like, obviously, it's not going to affect Conquest for, they said, at their earliest fall 2018. I think that's being extremely generous with their release schedule for it to happen that soon. What do you guys think about the announcement of rotation for all the LCGs? And do you think it's a good thing, a bad thing, or, you know, what are your thoughts? I'm a fan of it. And like Garrett said, I've, I kind of tried getting into Game of Thrones during this past year, but with such a huge card pool, it's it's hard to learn the game and then learn the card pool on top of it, so I kind of stayed away from it, but now with second edition, it's like, yeah, let's try it, see how it goes. So if rotation was around before that, I mean, the card pool would still be you know, fairly big, but not overwhelming, so it'd be a lot easier to get into and stick around into it, so I'm definitely for it. I'm looking forward to it, see how it goes. Yeah, I I'm for rotation, but I think the way they're they're doing it, it's still a big card pool, and it's it's not that much because they they wanted to reduce the barriers to entry for players. Seven cycles, or even five at its lowest, plus all the all the deluxes and the core set is still a lot to buy. That's true. So we we were a bit surprised that they they had it at five to seven. Um, we kind of figured it was going to be four, you know, maybe four cycles are in it at any one time, or maybe, maybe just five cycles at, at one time. Um, but it still seems like the card pool is very large. And if that, I mean, if that's what they want, that's what they want. But one of the reasons they said they're doing it is, is to reduce barriers to entry. And I, I really don't think they, they succeeded in that, but, uh, time will tell. We'll, we'll see. But, uh, like I said, I, I like the idea. Um, I'm already in the games I'm in. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick up Game of Thrones first edition now. Obviously, I've I've debated Netrunner, but that's kind of too far along for me to get in. I'm 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 already stretched for the two the actually three games I play. I don't even get to play X Wing enough. But uh, I don't know. Like I said, I like it. I'm all for it. I just think the card pool is gonna be too big. Yeah, I I kind of agree with that. Like. At first, when it was being discussed, I mean, it's been discussed for a couple of years now, to be honest, with the Game of Thrones community, just because, you know, the pool was getting so large. <laughs> like, I had eight cycles, I think, before I ended up with just like, all right, I've got way more than enough cards of this, and I don't even play anymore with Star Wars and Netrunner and everything else I was playing at the time. And, you know, now Conquest. So, I was surprisingly okay with the announcement when they announced it for all the LCGs. I was surprised they announced it for all the LCGs, to be honest. And then I was doubly surprised by the full-on reboot for Game of Thrones. But I was quite happy, too, because, you know, I've, I've kind of gotten away from Game of Thrones for the last little while just because I've been playing other games. Like, Star Wars took up all of last year for me. I didn't play anything else. And then uh, Conquest, you know, playtesting on top of that, now playing Conquest. But I'm kind of excited about Game of Thrones 2nd Edition, too, because I've been reading, I've been taking a break from my 40K reading and been reading uh, the new Game of Thrones book, The World of Ice and Fire, which kind of fills in a lot of the backstory for those who know Game of Thrones. It's not like a, it's not like one of the books that extends the storyline, but it kind of fills in the world's history and maps and stuff. And for me, it's been getting me kind of excited about Game of Thrones again. And then they announced this 2nd Edition. I'm just like, well, I kind of want to play this now because, you know, it's... Game of Thrones again, like, because when I got into Game of Thrones, they were already on their fourth cycle, I believe, when I started playing, I did catch up, but that was a quite a bit of work, too, so, you know, I kind of see what you're saying, Garrett, and that, you know, 
if depending on when you start, if you started close to rotation, you you could be looking at buying seven cycles. But at the same time, if you know you're close to rotation, maybe just buy you know cycles three through seven or whatever. I'm assuming I'm doing my math right on how they're going to rotate stuff, and not the first two that are about to be dropped. So you maybe save yourself some money so you're only buying five cycles. But also, like you said, five cycles is still going to be a lot. I just don't know if I really want them to be any less. Like, how small of a card pool do we want to have? Like, I don't want to see you know something like what Magic or World of Warcraft card game did before it got the axe, where it was basically just two years worth of stuff, and that's it. It just seemed too small to me. But you know, CCDs release cards differently too. Well, two two years in the LCG world isn't a whole lot. No, not at all. As we've seen with Star Wars, at least. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I, I think they said fifteen hundred cards is what they wanted, if I'm remembering correctly. I mean, that's a lot of cards. You can do a lot with fifteen hundred cards, at least with, from what I'm assuming, you know, Game of Thrones. I don't know much about Game of Thrones. I've I've literally only played four games of it, but I've loved those four games. But uh, I don't know, 1,500 cards, if, if, if my memory serves me correctly, is a lot. Is a pretty big, uh, pretty big card pool. Yeah, that's true. That would be quite a few cards. Well, and I mean, it's like like they said, you know, they with all the announcements they put, you know, expected at the earliest by X date and year, whatever the game is, and I don't see them being in 2018 for Conquest or Star Wars. To be honest, I just think that's there's no way we're going to be getting well eight cycles for conquest between now and 2018, and maybe what three, no five more for Star Wars that are even announced yet. Yeah, the numbers the numbers were averaging two cycles per year, I believe. Yeah, and I don't think Star Wars has hit that. No, but conquest might hit it. I, I don't know. What is the what is net does Netrunner come close to that? Yeah, it's fairly close. There's, there's always a little bit of delay in between cycles, but it's not too bad. I think Netrunner is a little bit easier for them not to have delays because it's strictly in-house for the most part, whereas you know Conquest and, to a greater extent, Star Wars, they're kind of dependent on the, the licensor and their approvals for stuff. I'm, I mean, yeah. I'm sure the licenses are totally different, but and Lucas is probably, or sorry, Disney, it's probably the strictest of the two. Yeah, I always felt like a lot of the Star Wars delays were because of Lucas or Disney, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. I'm kind of curious to know what kind of, um, you know, grip Games Workshop has on this license, if they've got to approve every little thing. Yeah, I asked Brad that when we interviewed him the other week, and he couldn't really comment too much, of course, because, you know, it's like the legal specifics of a... But they, they do work very closely with Games Workshop, he said, so I would assume they're involved somewhere in the approvals and stuff. And, and I would imagine they're able to use a lot of the old 40K art because, of, as I think somebody was saying, I can't confirm this because I don't know, but I think a lot of the art was already from the codexes. Isn't that, is that the case? Some of it is. Like, if you look at the cards, it will actually say the illustrator is the Games Workshop Design Studio. So that's okay. stuff designed and drawn by people in-house at Games Workshop. Like, I don't think they go very much to outside art artists anymore because they they have so much staff like you know they're they're a huge company 
So I think a lot of their stuff is strictly done in-house by their own staff now. So if, if you look at some of the cards, it does say on it, Illustration GW Design Studio. Like, the one that stood out the most to me is the uh, the Eldar Falcon. Like, I remember exactly which White Dwarf that was the cover to. That's White Dwarf number 217, because I owned it until I threw out my White Dwarf collection. Uh, White Dwarf, for those who don't know, is Games Workshop's former printed fan magazine, which is now done strictly through electronic versions so yeah some of the artwork is entirely recycled from games workshop stuff so that probably helps them get stuff through faster because they're not instead of them being like you know hey we need this drawn they could go to the games workshop catalog and say what do you guys have for drawings of x so you have to kind of got instant artwork whereas star wars everything has to be drawn and i'm assuming goes to lucas need for approval and then goes back and forth and stuff like that yeah, so that that should that should speed up a lot of the process for for conquest at least. So hopefully conquest doesn't suffer the same problems that Star Wars does. Well, I think we're already seeing that considering you know we've got the first war pack on. I mean, it's well, you know, it was already on sale on Saturday. You know, you guys all missed it, but it was there, and we we know it's coming. And the second pack's already on the boat. So like, I'm used to like with all my LCD experience. And I mean, I started back in 2009 with invasion and uh, uh game of thrones was that you basically you got the six month cycle there was a month off in between and then it was either the start of the next cycle or there was a deluxe expansion in there another month off and then so on but anytime a new corset came out and this is how it was with star wars netrunner and invasion and those are the three that were new when i started playing there was two months maybe three months, if I'm not mistaken, with Star Wars, between the core sets release and then the first expansion. So it seems like we're seeing a lot quicker turnaround with this, so either they're getting better at being further ahead of themselves or the approval is just a lot less for this, like we are assuming it isn't for Star Wars. Well, let's hope it's all of the above. Yeah. Yeah. All righty, gentlemen. Well, I'd like to thank you both very much for joining us, uh, Garrett. It was great having you and you know recording a podcast with you. You know we've been in contact for a couple of years now, so it's kind of nice having you on. If you want to join us again sometime, we'd love to have you. That'd be great, Jeremy. Always a pleasure, sir, having you on the show. Uh, I, Same here. I know I had to cut you off a few times because you know you were talking too much, but I'm sorry <laughs> yeah, I can only I'm, record so that's, much. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen, well, thank you very much for joining us, and uh, thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you again very soon when we're going to have a, a normal episode where we're going to review all the stuff from Worlds that came out of there, all the news, and as well as the announcements of new packs and the cards from uh, Howell Blackman that were fully spoiled. So until then, 